Hello and welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. We're your hosts, Parker Dolman. And Stephen Craig. This is episode 132. So we have a special announcement. We have a Macrofab design contest. Woo! Blink and LED, and it's sponsored by Mauser Electronics. Oh, it's like really official. We have four prizes to give away and four different categories for blinking LEDs. That's right. So yeah, so for the uh, first category, we have Pragmatic Blinky, which is basically useful ways to blink an LED. The uh, most complicated blink, so like a design that makes Steven and I scratch our heads of how it works. Or maybe you design a ginormous Ruby Goldberg machine that at the very end, it blinks an LED. <laughs> that, that would actually be really amazing. <laughs> Next category is wearable blink, so a human or other animal wearable device that blinks an LED. Uh, that could be also like IoT and stuff like that. And then we will have the Macrab Engineering Podcast favorite. That, that, that one's, okay, I have to admit, that one's probably the most difficult to design too, because it's like, what do you design to? Exactly. And the thing about that one is uh, all, if you enter into any of the categories, you're automatically entered into that category. Right, right. One of the rules is like if you make a project, you have to enter it into a category. Can you can you just choose that one as a category? Uh, as the rules are written, no. Okay, so you have to choose a prag- pragmatic blinky, most complicated blink, or wearable blink, and then you're automatically uh, in the fourth category, the engineering podcast favorite. Correct. Which knowing us is going to be really dumb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so and so, how the how we were going to pick the other three categories, the first three, is we're going to have a, a panel of judges to be announced, and they will pick and judge those three, and then we pick. So we, as in Stephen and I, not the royal we, <laughs> uh, the MacFab Engineering Podcast favorite one. <laughs> <laughs> and so, how to enter is uh, do a blink, design something that blinks, or. Something involving something blinking, preferably an LED, and document it on hackaday.io. Basically, build a project there, and then there's a certain tag that you can tag your project with, and then we will know that that project is associated with the contest. Uh, the tag is there's there's a big blog post on the MacFab forum or not forum blog uh, that has the correct tags and how to set up your your project so that we can get the entry we'll also have the tag um connected to this podcast so if you're listening and you go to the notes for this podcast then you'll be able to see the tag there too correct uh then there is the uh, oh yeah more contest rules uh it starts august 8th which is when this podcast comes out and it goes through september 10th i think like 8 a.m central time or something like that the uh, project must blink at least one LED, but can blink as many. So you can do a billion. That'd be really cool. <laughs> uh, and the components. This is one thing since we're sponsored by Mauser Electronics. Your components must be able to be sourced from Mauser. Uh, I have a sample project that's on the contest uh, blog post. And basically, my bill materials has a link to the Mauser item that you can buy. So it makes it really easy to show that you can basically buy it through Mauser. Um, and the reason why we're doing that is so that people can easily replicate the projects and get the build materials. And then, of course, the source must be available so we can make sure you're not, like, faking it. So we're going to check. Yeah, we're going to build everything, right? 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> a billion LEDs. Builds, like a billion LED <laughs> yeah. thing, and we're like, shit, we have to make that. Oh my god, we gotta build this. <laughs> um, yeah, so complete rule list and other information available on the MacFair blog. Check the podcast description and social media and all the normal places where you get our MacFab news. So by the time you're listening to this, uh, it will be time to start designing. So go and have fun and create something wacky and maybe you'll be a winner. Yeah. Oh, yes. Forgot to talk about the prizes. So all yeah. the categories have a $500 USD prize associated to it. Uh, there is no first, second, or third place, though. So only the top winner, first place of each category gets a prize. While the contest is going on, Steve and I are going to look at entries and talk about them on the podcast and see which ones are cool. And I'm hoping we can get the winners on the podcast after the po- uh, at the uh, after September 10th, which is when it closes. Especially the Macrofab Engineering podcast favorite. Yes. Because that one will be fun. Yes. So yeah, you get 500 bucks and a chance to, you know, hang out with us. They might just want the 500 bucks. Yeah, just, just give me the 500 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, have fun with that, everyone. And uh, we, uh, are you going to design anything? I mean, we're, we're excluded from it, but are you going to design something, Park? Uh, yeah, that actually does like sound like a lot of fun. Um, I, I already had an example project, but it's like it's a microcontroller blinking an LED, so it's like really lame. <laughs> there's gonna be people uh, who are listening to it and be like damn it that was my idea <laughs> uh, yeah no, i think i think you and i should at, at you know just come up with some goofy ideas maybe maybe we'll throw some together and just toss them out on a, a podcast on a, oh yeah that's good yeah because yeah. we've got what four, four four weeks or something like that so maybe we could just toss out some ideas you know like we did with the fly killing mechanism yeah uh, that's good yeah yeah we'll do that so actually, you created a uh, uh, LED blinking device recently, right, Parker? Yeah. You see that segue? We're getting better. Yeah, it's a good segue. Yeah. <laughs> now we just can't call out our segues. Right. Yeah, that's the next step. <laughs> <laughs> that's the next step. The uh, MacFab Engineering Podcast shitty add-on is complete. The people who ordered some, I think uh, Brandon from Particle, he ordered a couple, and he actually has like some tweets of it on his badge, which is really cool. The and not XOR guys, I think, get them tomorrow, which is, yeah, Zap and uh, Hyron. There is a blog post I wrote about the design and the software. And did, did you did you put your code in the uh, in the blog post? Yeah, yeah the, the code is there's some snippets that the code that's important in the blog post. And then there's a link to the source code. Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah. Then I got the uh, Max six six eight two breakout board. That's the thermistor Max uh, Maxium chip. I got that working. Ah, we we've been waiting for that for a while. Yeah. Uh, I, I finally got that working. I don't have a blog post or anything about it yet. Uh, I basically just got to upload everything and write an article on my my blog about it. But it does work, uh, and I'm pretty happy with the like the temperature you get back from it. It's pretty reliable it's not too far off of what like my brew thermometer says so i'm pretty happy with that <laughs> you're comparing it to a brew thermometer i love that that's great well yeah cause that's the because that, that my brew thermometer is actually like nist listed yeah yeah right is that is that the term i think nist is standard for for uh calibration right yeah 
Yeah. So it's actually has it actually has paperwork <laughs> for <laughs> my for my brew thermometer. <laughs> gotta get that good beer. Yeah, gotta get the good beer. Uh so I think I'm going to with that working, I'm gonna actually work on that Jeep computer board. Like uh for, for the Wrangler. This isn't the old Jeep computer board, right? Yeah, this is the old Jeep computer board. Oh wow, that thing's getting resurrected. Yeah, it used to be called Jeep Prop. Uh, there's a repository somewhere on my personal GitHub account for it. Uh, so yeah, that'll be resurrected, and basically I'm going to rip off all the because it uses thermocouples, and so I'm going to rip all those off, put the thermistors on. I'm going to simplify the board a lot because back then I was having to do a lot of stuff, and now I'm going to you know pull it back. It's still going to have the uh, it's still going to have satellite connectivity, so it's not completely like scale down but yeah <laughs> home gamer satellite connectivity yeah <laughs> oh i we finished i finished that uh uh welding project on the wagon how'd that come out pretty good um i definitely did had to i had to clearance the mounting holes a little bit oh <laughs> you you had to oval them a little bit yeah after i seam welded it it definitely did tweak a tiny bit it wasn't perfectly flat still uh so i just I just busted out the next size drill bit and <laughs> the, the the holes got good enough. Yeah, good enough. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I, I I put the gas tank in, bolted it in, uh, put about five gallons in from my other tank, and then uh, drove it over to the uh, gas station, and filled it up, and it did not leak or fall out of the t- uh, out of the bottom. <laughs> well, you would hope so. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, you were jamming on that for gosh, what like. At least a week, if not longer. It was, it took me two full weekends, so probably nine days to build it. Yeah, yeah. That's a lot of work. Because I was, because I was working during the week too on it. Yeah, it just took so, that project took way longer than I would ever thought it would. I thought I could knock it out in one weekend, but it ended up taking two. I think, I think, I think the Wagoneer is going to be a, a, a whole list of things that you, that are longer than you thought it was going to be. <laughs> probably. Oh, yes. <laughs> Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, Stephen, you sh- were showing some pictures in Slack yesterday morning about your new project. Uh, Yeah. Well, new old project. Well, the project I've been speaking about for a while, but I actually have some, like, good updates now on it. Um, so, in fact, I will show this to Parker. If you've been, uh, if you've been on the Slack channel, then you've seen uh, pictures because I've been posting them kind of along the way. Um, regardless images of this will be up on our, uh, uh, blog post for the, for the podcast, but I, uh, finished the, uh, marking of the, uh, micro tracer, um, enclosure. I got that on the, uh, Mamaki inkjet printer at, uh, at work and did a nice print of everything on there. So oh, the end caps. Yeah. Yeah. The, the walnut end caps. It looks like, it looks like a, um, old man test gear, you know, like, Black metal with wood end caps. You know what it looks like? It looks like a Heath kit from like what the seventies. Yeah, uh, some 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 time around there. It, it was great because I had a bit of extra space on the uh, enclosure after I had, you know, done all the holes and everything like that. And the reason it has all that space on the enclosure is because underneath that is just fifty two relays. So I really can't have anything going through the enclosure at that point. So I decided to do some some artwork that details kind of what's going on in there. So I've got 
you could see Stephen's attempt at doing artwork for for an enclosure. <laughs> Vector art. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, no, I used Inkscape and actually drew something up. I actually, I, I got an image of an EL34 vacuum tube, like a legitimate image, and then I traced it and then modified it until I liked it and ran with that. So it's a, so that was pretty, that's pretty nice. Got the, got the enclosure done. And it's kind of fun to be able to have, you know, semi-professional, if not professional looking enclosures done, like one off, you know, by yourself. That looks really good. So that's, that's all milled and printed. So the enclosure is effectively done now. And um, as of last night, I finished the PCB. Um, and by finish, I mean, I've got all my traces down. I'm, I'm pretty much happy with it where everything is. And I plan on ordering the boards tonight. But I'm going to do my, like, before I order, like, last check of absolutely everything. So, you know, I probably got another hour or two of just looking at the board and being like, did I really want to do it that way? <laughs> uh, and then and then eventually clicking buy on it, you know. Th- that's usually, and in fact, I'm, I'm curious, this kind of brings up something that I was wanting to ask you. Whenever I make a PCB, I usually try to at least sleep a night after finishing the PCB before I do anything with it. Like I don't finish it and then just go buy. I usually finish it, set it aside, come back and look at it again at least a day later. Um, do you do anything like that? I very similar, but mine usually involves beer. <laughs> I'll usually, cause I'll, I'll design something and be like, okay, this is looking pretty good. And then I'll come back four beers later and look at it again and be like, is this still good? <laughs> <laughs> I suppose that's a that's a, an acceptable way of doing it. Well, and and that's just I've learned in the past that like as soon as I'm done, like I'm not done. Uh, you know, and and I have gone. Oh, you always forget about something. You forget something, or you made one goofy mistake, uh, and you just kind of screw something up. So like waking up, doing a whole like fresh mind look at it a lot of times i'll just look at my board and be like oh my god i'm glad i didn't order this because xyz reason so today's that day where i i'm gonna do that and because my board has like switchable voltages up to 400 volts uh, you know i'm gonna like even though i designed it with clearances in mind i'm gonna you know double check those just to make sure there's not like one point where it'll arc and then you know i spent a bunch of money and it's crap <laughs> it arcs to your case and it f- burns a hole in your case and <laughs> ruins everything it's a custom <laughs> it's a custom case then <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh yeah yeah so that that's that's kind of where i'm at with that um so and i i told the the listeners weeks ago that i would get the designs up on a github so I actually created a GitHub account, uh, and I'll upload the designs. I was going to do the whole thing where I uploaded the designs like partially, but you're just basically going to get it when they're like kind of at a done state, you know. Uh, hopefully, so so I'll I'll order the boards tonight, and I'm going to use JLC PCB. They used to be like directly affiliated with Easy EDA, uh, but they've kind of they've split. Even though they're still like connected, they've split into like you have you used to order boards through easy eda now you have to go right to jlc pcb um they're very very inexpensive pcbs and i've done a few hundred boards through them and i have yet to find an issue it's something that like i probably wouldn't do for a um, production order um but for like a project like this i can get a four-layer board that's 10 inches by six inches for a very reasonable cost so i'm gonna i'm gonna go through 
that. So if you haven't checked them out, go and give them a look. You can usually get small boards. Uh, you get 10 boards for two bucks or something like that. It's super cheap. And that's a little ridiculous. It's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> and, and I, and the thing is like, I, I truly honestly wouldn't like, uh, you know, advertise, I guess those people, if I hadn't made a few hundred boards and been like fine with all the quality I've gotten. Was those the boards that you made for the, uh, synth? No, 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 no. Uh, I got those boards made somewhere else and those were not good quality. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because they were more expensive, you know, oh, yeah. uh, than that. I, I was, I was, I was vetting another, um, manufacturer at the time when I did those synth boards and I was not really particularly happy with, the general quality of those, but JLC has been good to me so far. So, I mean, for personal projects, they're usually what I go with. All right. On to the RFO. RFO. Uh, so the first one is learn FPGA fast with Hackaday's FPGA bootcamp. And the main reason why I'm, I brought this one up is because the format of it is really good. So if you haven't learned or even looked at FPGAs left yet, this is a really good way to get started in FPGAs. Uh, Al Williams, who was a guest on two previous podcasts, MEP episode 94 and 57, um, he wrote the article and I think influenced a lot of the boot camp stuff. I don't know if he actually wrote the boot camp stuff, but I would say that he definitely influenced it. Oh, for sure. And anything, most anything FPGA related on Hackaday has Al Williams' fingerprint on it. <laughs> Yeah, go check that out. Um, I'm actually, I read through what they call Boot Camp Zero, which is um, like Digital Logic Introduction. And I'm like, I already knew all that stuff, but I'm like, I haven't looked at that stuff in like, you know, 10 years now. Yeah. Yeah. So I decided to just go, uh, I'll finger through it and see, you know, if there's anything that like catches my eye that I don't remember or stuff like that, just as a refresher. And I'm actually going to go through all of them and, um, See if there's any fundamentals about FPGA development that I'm, I'm missing. All Most of my FPGA development is self-taught, so there's definitely going to be gaps in there. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. I still have that ice board that you gave me a long time ago, and I need to I need to plug that in and play with it. Yeah, the thing is that they're using the ice board. Yep. Yep. So this is like a really good... This is a sign from God that I should start looking into FPGA stuff. No, oh, or at least a sign from uh, Mr. Williams. From Mr. Williams, yeah. <laughs> he knows that I haven't touched it. He he knows everyone's FPGAs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, go check out the old episodes with Al Williams. They're uh, they were a lot of fun. Yeah, and if you're in Houston, Al Williams is actually going to be a speaker at this month's hardware meetup here in Houston. August. I think he's going to be talking about like how to be famous on Hackaday or something like that. <laughs> like how to get your projects on Hackaday. So yeah. that's what that's what he's going yeah. to do. You've had a couple of your projects on on Hackaday, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I would say the biggest thing is because I had a personal blog at the time. Well, I still do. Is making sure your personal blog can like handle the bandwidth. But now with their like Hackaday.io thing, you don't really need a personal blog. You just have that. Because you have, like, your own account, and then you just have all your projects under you, which is kind of what my blog is. Which is actually kind of why we were doing Hackaday.io for the LED contest. It's a, it's kind of like a decent repository to put all this stuff. Exactly. Well, it, it handles hardware projects really well, 
compared to let's say GitHub. And we can we can search by tags in the um, so we can find it pretty easy on on Hackaday.io, which tags don't really exist in GitHub. Mm-hmm. So yeah, cool. Uh, go check that out and um, let us know in Slack how it goes. Um, I, I'm I'm going to do all the bootcamp stuff, so I guess I'll probably have more stuff to say about that next week. As I probably get through bootcamp one and two. So the next topic is Pebble watches get reborn. Rebel.io. Everything's a .io nowadays, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I, I, you know what? Do we have Macrofab.io? I don't know. I will check right now. Me... Maybe I need to like purchase that before like this podcast goes out. <laughs> well, it doesn't pop up anything. Okay, yeah, I'm yeah, going to have to buy that then. Yeah, yeah you've got to buy it tonight before someone <laughs> listens to this. Yeah, before the podcast goes out. Um, so last year, we talked about Pebble, like the watch company. Basically, they stopped business, I guess is a good way to put it. Um, and basically, everyone's watches kind of just died because they're IoT watches. And they they had to go talk to you know the mothership to work which we have talked about that multiple times like the the problem with one of the problems with iot is that like if something just goes down the drain then your product is just kind of dead exactly pebble was pretty good in that they kept the servers alive for quite a while afterwards and there is a new group called rebel that's r-e-b-b-l-e and they are a project to revitalize the Pebble Watches IoT functionality. Because, like, the, basically the Pebble Watches were still, would still do time, but you couldn't get, like, weather updates and email and stuff. Because all those push notifications were not working anymore. Uh, so this, this uh, group, Rebel, is basically revitalizing your, your functionality, which is kind of cool. And it looks really easy to actually like get it to work. It's not like you have to like jump through hoops. You kind of just sign up for the new stuff, and I think you update an app, I think, and then it works. That's awesome. That's that's really cool that people are like banding together to get their watch to do stuff again. <laughs> yeah. Well, just to get an IoT device. So I'm I'm a, I'm thinking we're going to probably see this more more often in the future. Like, let's say. I think Amazon owns Nest, right? Uh, I don't know. Well, anyways, let's just say Nest went, like, belly up and their server shut down. I would say there would probably be a group around Nest. As long as, like, Nest released the server protocols like Pebble did. Yeah. So maybe Pebble is going to be unusual because the company actually released how to talk to the device. Gotcha. So it looks like uh, Google owns Nest. Oh. They bought them in 2014 for $3.2 billion. Okay, so Google. Well, we might not have to worry about Google. Well, Google's really good at, like, like saying, oh, we're not going to do that anymore and just shut down something. Yeah, we, there was a couple of people who worked at um, Macrofab that uh, had worked on some previous Google projects, and Google had just basically come to them and be like, yeah, we're not doing this anymore. And that was it, you know? Yeah. Uh, the, the the prominent one I can remember is uh, Google Reader, which was their like RSS feed kind of thing. Right. And a lot of people used it. And then Google was like, nah, not anymore. Like, can you imagine if Google shut down like Google Doc? Oh, gosh, that it would tank parts of the economy. <laughs> <laughs> or like yeah. Gmail, because Gmail is still in beta, right? Is it still technically considered beta? I don't know. 
I don't think it's ever had a 1.0. I wouldn't think it would be. I mean, I remember back when you had to get, like, invites to be... Oh, yeah, invite only. Yeah. Yeah, I remember in high school, and then Lacey, like, trying to find the person that had an invite so you can get a Gmail account. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't even remember. Uh, Google's um, social media thing was a Google Plus, or... It uh, what, what was it called? Technically, still exists. Does it? What? What? It, was it called Google Plus? I can't remember. Yeah, Google Plus. Okay. Yeah. 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 Like I remember looking at it for maybe like two or three minutes and just being like, I just, I don't think so. No, I just no. <laughs> and I don't mean that in like a necessarily a bad way. It was just like for some reason it just didn't feel right. I think what it was is. The layout was so unusual mm-hmm. compared to because they didn't want. I, I I think what they were going for on Google Plus, and some Google engineers can be respond and be like, "Oh, you're wrong, blah blah blah." But <laughs> what are they looking be at like? when the website came out? It looks like they tried really hard to not be a Facebook clone. Yes, yeah, and they they tried that so hard that it was not useful for people who were used to Facebook. Yeah, it was it was so different that it wasn't enough to convince people to use it as their main social media source. Correct. Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, that makes sense. And yeah, <laughs> waste of money, Google on that one. Well, it, it was a social experiment, I guess you could say, and they got a social media experience. Social media experience. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next topic. Okay. Last topic is. Operation manuals with improper English translations. And so I bought a really cheap uh, radio for the wagon because the one it comes with doesn't work. And this is not to replace the one I hacked in the Jeep. This is just for the the new wagon. And so it's kind of like a, I put in quotes, retro style like radio. It has blue LEDs. So I don't know how retro it can be. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't have a walnut trim, does it? No, it's got it's it's actually well, that's seventies retro. This is like fifties, sixties retro with chrome. Oh, okay, cool. But it's got blue LEDs. I'm like that that didn't exist back then. Just call them lamps. Blue lamps. Yeah, colored glass lamps. Glass lamps. But the best thing is the manual because this is the worst case of like improper English translations I've ever come across in a manual before. All right, hit us with it. Okay, so the first one is uh, this is under troubleshooting and maintenance. Sometimes consider a failure phenomenon. Just like is that is that period the end of the sentence? Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Is small operation or result of wiring errors? Before calling service that, please refer to following description of a brief explanation of phenomenas. <laughs> so the first one, unreasonable power, question mark. <laughs> Are you unreasonable? <laughs> uh, no, number three, does not respond after opening loud. I can see somebody like unscrewing it and being like, ah! <laughs> it's, just, it's just so screaming at you. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, it was loud. That's why it doesn't work. <laughs> well, it was another and one. then under uh, important reminder, if your car in direct sunlight wear cause excessive heat inside the car, should enable the unit to cool before use. 
if 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 you if you start like really digging it apart, you can be like, okay, I get what that sentence means, but like, it's a struggle. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. This okay. This one's my favorite. Okay. To protect traffic safety, please do not concentrate on driving. The process of regulating the product. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. every single sentence yeah. in here is horribly mistranslated. Oh, that's that's phenomenal. Yeah. Now, we need to take some scans of that and throw that up somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll load this one up. Those are really good tweets, also. You should be hitting those up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, make sure, make sure when you drive home tonight, uh, focus on your radio. That's the only way to stay safe. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> and make sure you cool the car down first, too. <laughs> uh, awesome yeah so i guess we'll just have a short episode this week wow that was just, that was fast it's kind of you know for us. this goes back this is yeah i'm about to say is this is like retro style map yeah we haven't we, we, we haven't done a 30 in a long time yeah so uh that was the MacFab Engineering Podcast. We were your hosts, Parker Lowen. And Stephen Craig. See you later, everyone. Take it easy. Thank you, yes, you, our listener, for downloading our show. If you have a cool idea, project, topic, or if you want to mistranslate our podcast, let Stephen and I know. Tweet us at MacFab or email us at podcast at MacFab.com. Also, check out our Slack channel. If you're not subscribed to the podcast yet, click that subscribe button. That way you get the latest episode right when it releases. And please review us wherever you listen as it helps the show stay visible and helps new listeners find us.